0: Hello, operators. Whether you're tier one or tier none, you're welcome here. I was the white motorcycle policeman. I'm Ed, the tech plus size model, and we are shooting blanks. One of the best parts about this job, being an operator, other than fighting communism, wherever it can be, is my ability to introduce you to special people in my life i may not be rich when it comes to gold i only have a few thousand pounds of it but i'm rich in friendships i have the distinct pleasure of introducing you someone i've known probably 12 years 12 or so years Eleven. okay now, if the facts aren't that bad don't don't interrupt because i'm on a roll and <laughs> this is Lindsay mccall long um uh, and I, have, I count myself fortunate to be a part of her life. She is probably the most optimistic person I know, The one of the funniest people I know. There are very few people who can make me laugh out loud. This lady not only can make me laugh out loud, she'll do it in front of other people at my expense. And I'm okay with that because she does it with love and, and, a, and a good heart. Welcome, Lindsay.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: You say that now. Let's see what you say about 45 minutes to an hour from now.
1: I don't don't know what's going to (laughs) happen.
0: So, Lindsay, and I'm going to tell you what I think is your story, because I'm a good storyteller. And if I get it wrong, correct me. Born in California. Yes. Raised in Georgia. Yes. A big family. Yes. A happy family. Mm -hmm. A musical family. Yes. What's the musical connection?
1: Uh, My dad was the co-founder and drummer for a 70s funk band called Confunction. See, I know what
0: that is, and I know that Ben, our engineer, and Abud, our cameraman, know what that is. If you don't know what it is, you need to get on YouTube, and you need to watch, and you need to bounce, and you need to move.
1: That's right. And my mother actually used to work with my father's group. She actually booked their first big gig, and she worked with them until she – my father wasn't performing anymore, and she's a – publisher, songwriter, and she also was the vice president of uh, MC Hammer's management company wow. for a few years also. What
0: label was she with before your dad?
1: Um, I believe they were on Mercury. They were with I'm Mercury glad you Records. didn't say
0: Solar Records, because Solar Records, <laughs> in the day, folks, if you're ever going to blackmail me, uh, you'll need to find the, hopefully, well, I'm not going to say that, Solar Records was off the hook, off the chain, they did some of the first music videos. Um <laughs> uh, and we had a blast, and I tell you, uh,
1: see, <laughs> Dance you a, Electric. You have a, you have a musical connection too. That's Do you remember cool.
0: that Dance Electric? Oh so, yeah. With uh, what was it? he was had been with Prince. I was the white motorcycle policeman, <laughs> and guess how many white people were in an entire Dance Electric video? And the worst copy of it is available on YouTube. You can see me for about eight point eight seconds. I'm it's gonna not, find it. No, it's not worth your time to watch nope, it because the I'm quality is it. so bad.
1: Nope, gotta find it.
0: So, music background. Are you a performer?
1: No. <laughs> I did, so I didn't get any of uh, my parents' um, talents. My mother was a lighting uh, major uh, at Howard University, and she did plays, and she could build sets, and she can paint. You know, my husband—excuse um, me, not my husband. My husband, actually, I married a man who went to school for art. My husband, Jason, graduated with an art degree. She has more than one husband. That's
0: why we name him uh, apparently. Jason.
1: <laughs> and then— um, uh, my brother can draw and paint and build uh, websites, and I am good at telling people what to do, apparently, because um, that's...
0: Uh, it's going to make him crazy. You can tap all you want, because I think you want to be a drummer. <laughs> no. But the, oh, he's a, Ben's okay with it. You keep going.
1: I talk with my hands. I'm a big hand talker. And you're not even Italian.
0: <laughs> I, uh, I think you're, you're you're selling yourself short because you are an incredible storyteller. I'm learning. Uh, yes, you are. Uh, you're an incredible orator incredible speaker and you have the gift of hospitality mm-hmm. when it comes to people that's gr- I have, that's from
1: growing up in Georgia
0: oh and see if I spent thousands of dollars with Dr. Hal Bargelt in Los Angeles to lose my southern accent if it comes out in this hour it's strictly because of our, our southern connection
1: I get it I get it, I get excited when I if I get excited my southern accent comes out a little bit
0: I even brought our waffle house yes. sunglasses yes today
1: Southern treat.
0: So you get to Georgia. Mm-hmm. You're in school. Mm-hmm. You're almost done with school, and you decide you're going to do what for a living?
1: Well, uh, I didn't know actually. Um, I was in high school, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm good. I'm all set uh, with school. School's been enough." Um, but I was in ROTC in high school. Which and- branch? Uh, Air Force.
0: Uh, Almost the the military. (laughs) Oh, wow. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Ouch.
1: So, actually, that's where I learned my public speaking skills. Uh, I was mortified of public speaking, I had stage fright, and uh, Major Cheryl Greer, Greer, who's retired. Shout out. Shout out to Major Cheryl Greer. Yes. She's retired from the Air Force, and now she's retired from uh, the school system. But great woman. She's like a second mom to me, and I guess she saw something in me that I did not, and she had me do a speech at one of our functions, and I was like, hi, so not my thing. And she's like, hi, so get out of my office and go practice this speech. (laughs) So it was like having my mom at school. And so I did the speech, and people told me I did great. And I was like, I don't ever want to do that again. And she made me do every speech until I graduated.
0: Thank you so much, Major. (laughs) I appreciate it. You have no idea how many speaking engagements she's had since then and how many more to come.
1: Yeah. So I thought I was going to go into the military um, after I graduated from high school. But actually, I go in the office to get my paperwork signed by her, and she told me no. Said, oh,
0: I love you even more, Major. She said
1: she wasn't going to sign it. And I was like, why not? I said, you know, some of my friends are going into the military, most of my friends from ROTC. And she was like, some of them need to go. Okay? Oh, she I says, love this woman. I feel like you are better, you know, cut out for school. And I said, but I kind of don't want to do that. She says, go to school. If you don't like it, come back. I'll sign your paperwork, no problem. And I was like, wow, like I'm not even given a choice here. Because my mom said, you got to either get a job Go in the military or go to college? You got to pick because you're not going to just sit on my couch.
0: <laughs> so
1: um, I end up um, deciding to go to school because I'm a little spoiled. And I'm like, well, what can I do that my mom will still pay my bills? I'll go to college.
0: And your mom is going to hear this. You know that. I know. Right? And
1: she knows this. Okay. Um, but um, I get enrolled in school and uh, in Savannah, Georgia, a small school called Armstrong Atlantic State uh, University. But unfortunately, two weeks after I graduated from uh, high school, my dad was shot and killed in DeKalb County. So needless to say, I did nothing for-
0: And you were how old?
1: 17. Whoa. And uh, my brother was 14, and I did nothing. There's like probably like a four-month window I don't really remember, because I didn't do anything. So- Um, I didn't even start college until that January. We were still on quarters then, uh, not semesters, how they are now. So um, I just went. I was just kind of, I don't know, like in autopilot. So I went to school, um, didn't have a successful first year just because all the grief and stuff started to hit me later. Um, But, um, you know, with the help of some, you know, my family – my friends that I was actually just in Savannah with this over the weekend,
0: and you were up uh, late because you were texting me, I and I'm like, "Wait a minute, what time is it in Savannah right now?" I
1: have insomnia, <laughs> so, um, but you know, so I was able to I was able to get through that. Um, and there's been ups and downs. Obviously, it hasn't always been the smoothest ride. But then I get to graduation, I transfer to Georgia State um, Bulldogs, in Atlanta. Right? Uh no. no. Uh, not, you know, my that's one, UGA. That's my University one attempt at some kind
0: of sports related thing and I get No,
1: involved. no, they're Cougars actually. Cougar. Uh-oh. Yes. Well, I know a
0: little bit about Cougars. Uh, well, that. I
1: just turned 40 so I might be hey. one. I don't know. Um sorry Jason. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um but I I majored in criminal justice not because I wanted to be a police officer. It's because it had the least amount of math classes and I don't like math.
0: Amen. <laughs> so I, that's how I, that's
1: how I, I chose my major.
0: I still don't get math to this yeah, day. Yeah.
1: So I did an internship to graduate. I said, well, I figure it's the easiest one to do is where the county that I lived, which was Gwinnett County, Georgia, which is about about 30 miles northeast of the city of Atlanta. And it was a 10-week internship. And I said, this is the dumbest job <laughs> I have ever seen. Like I, Just the calls that we went on. And I'm like, you're literally babysitting adults all day. But then, about the third week, something changed, and then I saw the help component because I I enjoy helping people. I've always been that one that people came to to spill their guts to, even if they knew me or not. And I was like, okay, I I kind of I kind of dig this. Um, they kept telling me like, hey, you know, you should totally um, you should apply, and I'm like, apply. Like, I'm a suburban kid that has no life skills. I still live with my mom. I just graduated from college. Like, I don't know anything about life. They're not going to want me. And they're like, trust me, you you should you should apply. I apply in April of 03. And shortly after my 24th birthday in October of 03, I get a call offering me a job. And I was like, hmm, are you for real? Like, You want me? Like, you know I don't know anything, right? And they're like, this is Lindsay Shree McCall, right? And I'm like, (laughs) yeah. They said, we're offering you a job. And I was like, this is the best birthday present ever. Ever. That was my first full-time job.
0: Outstanding. And
1: so I got into it. Um, Academy was 20 weeks. It was the hardest, most challenging thing mentally and physically I've ever done in my life because – Although I have an athletic build, maybe not now after two kids, but oh, you're, it's you're, under there. Yes. Um, I never played sports. So academy was very physical for me. I would come in most mornings like, why am I here? <laughs> like who whose decision was this to do? This is crazy. And I graduated. I get out on the street. I had some phenomenal um, – training officers they were older and more settled and
0: you're still close to a lot of those folks i
1: I am i am some of them came out here after my my incident we'll we'll get into in a little bit but so very close uh knit group of people and so i learned a lot quick i worked at in district one which was our smallest district but our busiest district so I, i got a lot of experience in a short amount of time and then um i was in patrol most of the time i was there i did a short stint um, in narcotics and vice just a little bit over a year uh, in that unit before coming back to patrol and then moving out here to Arizona. Say
0: the name of that office. I just love the way you say it. What? That sheriff's office. Say it.
1: Gwinnett County Police Department. The
0: what, I'm sorry. Gwinnett. Police, Gwinnett County Gwinnett. Police Department. Yes. Y'all kicked ass, didn't you?
1: Yes, and I miss it sometimes. I well,
0: and I know because I'm going to lead it. I may or may <laughs> not.
1: I'm going to hold that story
0: over to you about kicking ass, but we, I'm, I'm going to hold that over. to okay. you. So you're there. Mm-hmm. You're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. And then you got lured somehow to my neighborhood.
1: By my cousin. Uh, my cousin was living out here in Arizona, and he's like, hey, you should come check it out. Because I was kind of looking for a change. And I was like, I don't want to come to the desert. It is dry. It is brown. And about that time, I said, I'm not too sure if y'all observe uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And I come from the land of MLK. And that is highly disrespectful. (laughs) So I said, I don't know that this state is for me. So he kept on me and kept on me, and I came out to visit him, and it was in April, and it was actually cool, that April. I had to buy a long sleeve shirt, because I didn't bring any with me, because I was told... This is how
0: we get you, folks. Yeah. This is how we hook you into moving to Arizona.
1: I was told, like, oh, it'll be fine, because it's like living on the surface of the sun in Arizona. It's so hot. (laughs) So I get out here... And I, I liked it. I liked the setup. Um, I liked the grid system, which is super easy because, you know, back in the South, like nothing is straight and you uh, use landmarks I to get to where say, you need to go. In, in
0: Atlanta, what is Go turn by the big chicken. I was
1: about to say that. Oh, see, Sorry. we are. We are.
0: <laughs> turn by the big chicken. I was
1: totally about to say that. Turn left by the big chicken in Marietta. <laughs> and
0: if you've ever been to Georgia, you'll know that story because you'll be driving along and you know what you're going to see?
1: That's right. A big chicken. Make a left at the varsity downtown exactly, Atlanta. Exactly. You know, exactly. so. Um, But yeah, I get out here and I liked it. And I said, okay, you know, the weather seemed nice. It seems like you can be active. Were you married at this time? No, I was not. We actually had just started dating.
0: Oh, was he in Atlanta? Was he in Georgia too? We Uh. met in Georgia.
1: And I told him my plans of moving. And I said, I'm moving. I don't like you enough to stay. (laughs) So we have to figure this out. And he basically told me, uh, because we'd known each other for some time. We met on the job. He was the loss prevention guy at the Target that was in my area. So we'd known each other for years before we started dating. And basically he told me, he's like, well, I'm not going to let you get away again. So I'm just going to come with you. And something said, okay. And then I heard myself say that. And I was like, why did you say that? Like that's not <laughs> that's not how you operate. And so, you know, he came and we're married now. We have two beautiful kids. We just celebrated our eighth uh, wedding anniversary in September. Happy anniversary. And thank you. And um See, I come out here, and uh, my cousin has a friend who does security for um, a lot of celebrities and stuff. So he knew police officers in the area. He suggested Paradise Valley.
0: Paradise Valley, if you watch my Instagram, every post I make is from the town of Paradise Valley, whether I'm there or not.
1: Which is actually where you and I met.
0: And I'm going to tell that story, if you don't mind. Okay, go ahead. So in case you haven't gathered, for those of you who are just listening to the audio portion of the podcast, Lindsay identifies as an African-American. Would that be correct?
1: I'm black is fine black okay yeah. black is fine I was, I was born in the United States uh, oh god I
0: love you even. I love you even more I'm with uh, you. so the town of Paradise Valley is most of you know I volunteered with our sheriff's office here not compensated not sworn okay I gotta make real clear about that and we had a shared police car that we kept at the town of Paradise Valley mm-hmm. police station and you had not been here very long no so about three in the morning as a volunteer you wear the same uniform so I'm wearing the sheriff's office uniform And I get to the city hall, I'm to the police station. I park the car in the back and you take the keys into the big board. And as I'm going in, there's Lindsay with the most perfect posture at three in the morning I have ever seen. (laughs) And she has taken a typing class, y'all. She is, see, there it is. The South coming out, y'all. She's typing. And she's not looking at the keyboard. She's looking at her notes. And she looks over at me. Now, mind you, you've heard me say it before and I'm probably going to get hit. Boys in blue, men in tan. But she looked over me and she didn't skip a beat and she looked me up and down and said, Excuse me, are you lost? (laughs) And I looked right back at her and I said, I could ask you the same thing. (laughs) Because I think you were the first black female peace officer the town of Paris Valley ever had.
1: That sounds about right. Yeah,
0: that sounds about right. And she used some words (laughs) to and she came back, Oh, no, you didn't. and, And we've been friends ever since. Yes. Uh, fast forward. I'm going to tell the Martin Luther King story. She mentioned how important MLK was to her. Yeah. Uh, in the town of Paris Valley, and I love the place. So, the Martin Luther King event is put on by the Baha'i faith, mm-hmm. which is mostly Iranian. Don't mm-hmm. I can't explain it, but they put on a great event. Mm-hmm. So, being um, the retired person that I was at the time, uh, the sheriff said, "Can you can you go?" And I said, "Absolutely. I'm. I'll go." So I get there and they have little place settings for us and you know, being big, they put me on the aisle because you know, you <laughs> they don't want me it. climb. because if I have to climb over you, it's not gonna be pretty for people on either side of me. Stop. So I'm there and the room is maybe a quarter to half full, and in from the city hall side comes Officer Long, and before she gets within ten feet of me, she goes, Are you kidding me? <laughs> the only person the sheriff had to send was the old white man shaped like a pear.
1: I did not he was shaped like a <laughs> well, I may see,
0: I like a good story. And with a fact, don't
1: let, you know, okay. okay so, but along. she said, he, the,
0: the best he could say was, and she came and sat down and her, and did that young man come from Gwinnett too? Nigel? Nigel. Um,
1: no, he's actually from uh, Memphis, Tennessee. And he's actually, he's a sergeant there now.
0: Cause Nigel, a black officer somehow mm-hmm. got stuck between Lindsay and I. Now, <laughs> Lindsay and I don't have an inside voice. No, we don't. Uh, and, <laughs> and he tried to disappear in that chair. Because he didn't know me from Adam, and you know, at my age in the uniform, you got to think I'm some kind of command staff. I was what I hear, and he's shrinking because she's talking crazy, and I'm talking crazy back, and he's just waiting for the program to start. So that, and we've had probably thirty encounters like that over the years, uh, where it's just fun. Oh, one more while I got you on the spot. St. Patrick's Day, folks. DUI task force are done all over the valley. And as a volunteer, you don't stop anybody. You transport someone who's been uh, detained or arrested under the suspicion of drunk driving. I like a place in the city she now works, Tempe. uh, It's convenient for me to get to if a motorcycle policeman stops somebody Mm -hmm. or they make an arrest. Rural and Lemon. It just so happens that the freshman dormitories are on that street, so I would take my car and pull down there and park. I would get a text: Are you in my city? (laughs) Are you by the school? And I knew I had to answer her because look at her; she's tough. I mean, Stop it. so she would come there, and she would call me an old man and say, "You need to move on. Don't be around these young kids like that."
1: They're crazy down there.
0: So they are crazy down there. <laughs> They're and fun. I
1: don't... They're fun, but they have more energy than me. That's and for I sure. don't know how you put up with them. So on St.
0: Patrick's Day, she decided to say, "Pinch him, y'all. He doesn't have any green on." Him unbeknownst to her there's a fine line of green around that sheriff's patch Dang it. i pointed it out to those kids and i don't know if they were sorority sisters or what they were I but i got about 30 girls i said get her pinch her and she started to back up and she said the best command presence best police voice you ever heard from the bottom of her feet i'm a police do not come near me That's right. and we had a blast
1: we always had we always had fun with the with the task force. It was oh always my nice. Gosh. That was like our yearly reunion. It was. <laughs> and I'd was. say, do
0: you catch drunk? I don't have time for drunks. I'm out here, like you said, educating families yes. <laughs> and helping mediate yeah. family crisis.
1: Yeah, you got to mediate. You're that third party that has to come in sometimes and help control the situation.
0: So for those of you who don't know, the town <laughs> of Paradise Valley is one house per acre. Their house is averaging eight. And there's one at 46,000 square feet, one at almost 50,000. The average is about 14,000 square feet. The Fortune 100, according to Forbes magazine, has at least 80% of the Fortune 100 have a winner representation in this town, mm-hmm. which is, for me, a Libra. You're a Libra, too. It's I beautiful am. to look at. Yes. It's a beautiful place to be. Probably not fun for somebody that came out of Gwinnett.
1: It was a little slower from what I was used to. Gwinnett County, uh, at the time when I was there, is about was about 650 officers, so pretty pretty big. Um, those of you who know how big the city of Phoenix is, my county was that big. So that's a Phoenix is a big city, but Gwinnett was our our largest county in in the state. So it was a little slower. It, it was a little slower. Um, and actually, how I ended up. Even considering Tempe was I went to an ABLE conference, which is an organization here. It's the Arizona Black Law Enforcement Executives. I, me and Nigel went to a conference and, you know, I met officers from all over the valley and there were majority black officers there. So me coming from a black city, I'm like, wow. This is like all the black people in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> in I, one I, room. I, I didn't know. But I, I met some really good officers that I have relationships with still to this day. And um, just in going to some of those meetings and going to some of those trainings, I'd heard about Tempe. And I said, hey, you know, I, I, will, I will give it a try. And I applied for Tempe. And they were like, hey, what's up? Come on over. So I've been there for... November 9th will mark 10 years I've been with the city of Tempe. And they're fortunate to have you. I hope so. <laughs> so
0: you, you touched on ABLE, the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'm going to get the phrase wrong. I wrote it down. And, of course, it's probably in a plastic bag somewhere. I was talking about groups for officers, support groups, or ways to, to network mm-hmm. that revolve around race. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then somebody mentioned the president recently having – the African-American black community, those influencers and those folks at the White House, and they said they were not happy with uh, race-identified politics or groups. And and I beg to differ because just watching law enforcement, watching people in the military, the public will interact with you differently Mm -hmm. as a black female than they will with me. Mm -hmm. And and vice versa, people will act fine with you (coughs) and completely go off on me. So Mm -hmm. I understand that support structure. And not only is there that group – I'm going to try to – you have probably been to – well, you guess. How many of these conferences have you been to in the last – let's go last year.
1: Last year? Um, at least three. At least three conferences. Because in, in um, August, I went to New Orleans for the Noble National Conference, which is the National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Executives. Um, myself and my my zone partner who was involved we were both involved in a critical incident in October last October we received an award there and the networking there I mean there were officers from all over the world there was at least 3,000 people at I mean including including vendors and stuff but 3,000 people at this hotel attending this conference and the networking was just phenomenal you know as far as I'm concerned, you know rather you're from a big city or you're from a, a small town just to talk to people and see how policing differs from place to place was 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 very nice and it was humbling.
0: Could you name like um, you know you don't have to come like what are takeaways that a, a black peace officer that crossed all those spectrum from all across the country what are the three top issues facing if there are any
1: um, <clears throat> well, like you said, just it, public interaction. Uh, as I tell people sometimes I feel like uh, being black in a uniform can be a double-edged sword, because either when you show up on the call, either you're going to be that person's best friend, or because you're black in a uniform, whether it's blue, tan, whatever other color uniforms there are out there, you're the enemy, just like that. Um, so it, it it can be it can be very challenging at times. But it's all in how you decide to handle it. And you know, some departments it, that some people that i've I've spoken to over the years, as far as being a person of color, you know, not just being black but a person of color within their organization, sometimes the issue is inside their organization, de- depending on where where it is you you live. So and that's rough, and dealing, that's a
0: reality too. We have to talk about that. Yeah,
1: and dealing with internal stuff, and you can attest to this. Dealing with internal stuff can be worse than dealing with the people in the public. Because you
0: need a safe space to come back. You do,
1: to. you do, and you need to feel like the people at work have your back. But you know, and it just it just depends on your department. It depends on what your support looks like, what your command staff look like, looks like, and what you yourself as an officer are willing to put out on the line. To make sure you are treated fairly, you know my grandfather, uh, the late Earl S. Bolden, said, "A closed mouth don't get fed." Amen. So if you don't open your mouth and say exactly what it is you need, then nothing's going to change. Uh, something I mentioned at a um, a session that I went to at the Noble Conference, they were talking about changing the culture within your. Well, it, it, was a, it was talking about Starbucks was was on a panel, and they were just talking about— Oh, somebody
0: from Starbucks came? hmm was, was this after the Tempe incident? Yeah. Oh, wow.
1: But th- this was mainly talking about using Starbucks as a third place, like as a place for the community and to, the community to come together. Rather, it's community mm-hmm. versus community or community versus police. So something that I mentioned that I feel is very important at an organization is— if you're going to recruit a certain demographic, male, female, uh, w- across you know the, the race spectrum, you have to have policies in place that protect those people that you're trying to recruit. So I mentioned um, <clears throat> with the help of my chief, uh, Sylvia uh, Moyer, and um, some, some other employees at work, we now have a lactation policy. Because I, when I came back out in 2017 after having my my second child, I I was nursing her, and at the time we didn't have a lactation policy.
0: Well, and you, and for those who don't know, Tempe, Arizona is a forward-thinking city in many regards. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the uh, amazing—I can't believe they didn't have it because I'm.
1: Well, and you know what? It's one of those things of where until you're there, right? You don't realize you need one exactly, and so. Um, the chief was very instrumental in getting that started and getting that committee put together. Does, does
0: it say the Lindsay lactation room on it? It on would be dr-
1: nice, but it doesn't. But uh, we call it a quiet room, actually, because it's, you know, our, we have more female officers now than we did when I first got hired in 2009. So not everybody's going to be pregnant all the time or nursing all the time, but I figured a multi use room exactly. would be nice because we all need downtime. You know, rather it's you work overnight and you have court in the morning and you need to get some shut eye before court or you have a very stressful day or you're involved in a critical incident and it doesn't rise to the occasion of maybe you going home or maybe you do need to go home, but you need to decompress before you get in that car and drive home, um, you know people who have diabetes that maybe take, you know, they have their insulin or if you're doing fertility stuff and you have hormone shots, like it could be used for a variety of different things. Um, So we got that started and that an an officer mentioned to me, he said that actually allowed other female officers who might've been considering leaving to stay because now they have something that works For them and their family as well. So, you know, big ups to, um, you know, everybody that was involved in that because those meetings weren't always easy because you're talking about – to me, I'm very comfortable talking about nursing and stuff like that, but not everybody's that comfortable.
0: We've come a long way because my mom worked for the airline
1: Mm.
0: and you could not keep your job and be pregnant Mm -hmm. back in the day. Mm -hmm. And that was – flight attendants, and reservations. Nobody did ever see my mother.
1: <laughs> well, and it's funny because the, those jobs were largely female.
0: Exactly. <laughs> so,
1: you know, so that, and you're right, we have come a long way. And, you know, but you you have to say something too. You, you have to decide what you're going to put on the line to, you know, and it wasn't just for me that I was like, well, I'm going to selfishly have this policy put in place because it's something I need. I'm a vocal person. I come from a vocal family. Like and we, I, yeah. we and we love that about <laughs> so, so, you., but there are other people that I've spoken to, other females that I've spoken to around the department that, you know, maybe didn't feel like they had enough confidence or even tenure to bring those type of subjects up. So I don't I didn't mind being the voice for them because that that also helps women after me as well. And you know, being a working mom, and being a working mom as a police officer is not easy because your the time. shift doesn't
0: always end exactly on time, does right, it?
1: Right, right, exactly. So there's things that come that come with it. say
0: it, click, 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 click? I've got to go because <laughs> my son has a concert. Right, exactly. Doesn't work that way. Or he
1: has jujitsu or something like that, but you have to you have to stay until the job is done. And Arizona
0: is a is a hotbed for advancement in law enforcement. Tempe female police chief, mm-hmm. yes, and she, she she she's she made she. She knows she's got my number after the first time I met her. Yeah. She said I was holding court when I was talking to a group of people. Oh,
1: Lord.
0: <laughs> Phoenix has a female police yes. chief. Phoenix Fire has a female chief. So yep. there are lots of places to look. And there's people at your level mm-hmm. doing the footwork mm-hmm. and helping everybody get along. Yeah. If you weren't a policeman, what do you think you'd be doing?
1: If I wasn't a policewoman. Oh, you know. I got you. I got I don't you. I not know. <laughs> I'm messing with you. I'm, oh,
0: I'm a senior citizen. I'm going to claim
1: my senior Stop citizen. Stop it. Stop now. Do you get a discount though at Denny's though?
0: I get a discount everywhere. Okay, well I need to come. Maybe she needs. Look at this. Look Um, at this. Look. (laughs)
1: Um, If I wasn't a police officer, I, man, I don't know. So my dream job. I got asked once on a job interview for Paradise Valley. The background investigator asked me. If I could have, it, I'm going to hold on the mean?
0: table because I don't know and, what's coming.
1: He, and, well, he told me he says he says I don't want to hear police officers people <laughs> people say that because they think that's what I want to hear. If it's that, fine. But if it's not, say it. And I said honestly, if my dream job would be to do voiceovers, that wow. that would be my dream job.
0: And listening to you here today, I, I could see you doing that.
1: Well, I practice at home sometimes. Doesn't always come out that awesome, but you know, it's it's a dream.
0: <laughs> police technology. Yes. We're making lots of strides in the human relations, on the people side. I worry about everybody with their face buried in the computer, Mm -hmm. and somebody's going to get mad, I mean, right in, but it's true. If you look at that computer, when it comes from the manufacturer, before it gets installed in the vehicle, it has stickers all over that lid that tell you, and releases the computer company liability, it says what? Do not operate the motor vehicle with the screen up. Mm -hmm. It becomes a weapon should the airbags deploy. Mm Mm-hmm. I would also like and, and I would love <coughs> to see a one and done. I recently was uh, watching Hospice of the Valley and I couldn't believe how fast these nurses were making their stops. And I said to her, well you have to do all that charting. You have all these heavy medications You know, you're carrying fentanyl, opium, that's well, not why I was following them but <laughs> they, they have all that stuff. And she said to me, she said yes, we've had generous donations, they're very popular here in the Valley and they'll, they'll help anybody in need. She said this device, when I'm done, before I put this car and drive, the charting is done. Now, if anybody has a nurse or a doctor in their life, remember charting. This is the biggest part of their day, and it has to be everything that's going to be perfect. And you can't, and it's done. I would love, for those in the industry, they call it down paper. Mm-hmm. I would love for you guys to be able to finish, get back to the vehicle, do 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 do. Be one and done because I want you heads up, display, I want you focused. Mm-hmm. I want you waving at the little kids, mm-hmm. waving back, and doing all those things. So that's my what my push at Shot Show and with the the police conventions is my push is, hey, let's let's work on this technology. So that's a one and done. Mm-hmm. Technology wise, what would you like to see?
1: What would I like to see technology wise? If not on the on the report writing side. It would be nice if we some of the systems that we buy um, worked in some sort of dictation component, even if because, you know, like you said, if you're sitting on a patrol car, it's awkward to write a police report in a patrol car and your head should be should be on a swivel. It shouldn't be turned Towards your device, not good for
0: the lower back. No, not, not good for your lower back, and not good for anything else.
1: Nope. And having your, you know, your back or part part of your back exposed to your to your driver's side. So you know, you shot show other um, other technology conferences. You see all this cool stuff, and all this stuff is cool. But I would like to see things like that and other things that are more practical of practical use to the to the officers. So sometimes I think we go. Way too up here oh, <laughs> on yeah. stuff, or we need to kind of think right in here and, and talk to the people who are using that stuff every day. You know, I feel like all of our cars should come equipped with the little cool cop thing. Oh, <laughs> the little yes, tube that goes, you know, especially here in Arizona that you can cool off a little bit. This is
0: a hose that brings know? the air conditioner up and under your vest. And it's magical, it magical. is magical,
1: yes. So, so
0: we've we've kind of you've kind of alluded to it. We're going to go real for a bit, and we're going to go deep. We're not going to go real deep because um, I love you, kid. <laughs> so I want to talk about uh, making a breakfast choice, mm-hmm. and I want to talk briefly about three seconds. Uh, and it's it's not it's a it's a big moment in your life. It's not a defining moment because you ha- you haven't you you will grow and change but you're not you're not a different person Mm -hmm. uh and this is still very fresh um so i want to tread very lightly and 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 honor you in that regard so you have a family that loves to go out to eat i do and liam will behave sort of (laughs) if he gets to go out to eat yes so when you were picking a breakfast place a few months ago what came into your mind when you were thinking about where to go eat
1: a few months ago oh no
0: what uh last with the dollar
1: Oh, okay. I'm sorry. So thought, no, no, you're fine.
0: That was a great lead-in until that point. Okay, <laughs> oh, no, I love you. Let,
1: last October, um, I actually chose Daily Jam, um, which
0: it's a hipster eatery, by the way. It's really cool, but you got to be a pretty person to go there.
1: <laughs> Their name was; they had a different name at the time, but now it's Daily Jam. So we go as a family to have breakfast there, and they. They had these meals called um, man cakes. Mm. Okay, so that caught my eye, and they had all these different like crazy pancake Keep talking. concoctions. <laughs> Keep okay, talking. there was like stacks with like layers in between, and one caught my eye called the OG. Oh yeah. So the OG is like pancake, scrambled eggs, pancake, home fries, pancake. Bacon.
0: Hot link anywhere in there?
1: Pancake, sausage, no! pancake, pancake, fried egg on top. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> so I'm like, I need to see about that. And mainly because a portion of, I think about a dollar or so of that meal went to 100 the 100 Club of Arizona.
0: And who's the 100 Club of Arizona?
1: So they are a nonprofit organization here in Arizona, obviously, who. Um, helps officers and their families um, statewide right statewide uh, when officers have been injured in the line of duty or in case of a line of duty death and I mean they help with any and everything and we're gonna put
0: a link up uh, on of course all our all our venues Instagram Facebook YouTube a link to the 100 Club and a way that if you can see fit to if you want to help there Um, so you gave that dollar, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm going to butcher this Bible verse. So I'm going to just I paraphrase it, dear Lord. Um, I don't mean to do this, but somewhere it says that when you give, it should be returned to you tenfold mm-hmm. or a hundredfold. And it's something about your great house will be overflowing. And Lord, I'm not trying to be a smartass, but there is that, there's that, oh, yeah. <laughs> Ass is in the Bible, because Cain slayed Abel. Oh, he slayed Abel with a mule's a jaw a jawbone of an ass. So can't I can't deal with yeah, you. Oh, I got I got people here you in got the people studio. Backing up. Yeah, our, our limited audience is now moving away. <laughs> now I'm scared. <laughs> so you gave the, mm-hmm. the dollar, and and then um, they gave you some money back.
1: Yes. So the money that I I feel like I got my dollar back, and then some, because three days after. Uh, I had that breakfast with my family. I was involved, my my zone partner and I were involved in a critical incident. Um, And I have to back up just, just a little bit. The reason why I was at that restaurant that day, I worked Saturday through Tuesday. We were there on a Saturday. The reason why I was not at work that day is because on my way to work, I just broke down in tears because on the 20th of October last year, an officer... Name, um, Antoine Tony was shot and killed in the line of duty at my first department, I remember that. Gw- Gwinnett County. Um, young guy, had just turned 30, always wanted to be a police officer. I believe he's originally from California. And um, was on a suspicious vehicle call and never got a chance to address the subjects subjects in the car, from what I understand, before he was he was basically ambushed. Um, I have a lot, like you said, of close friends who are still at Gwinnett, and they were affected by that deeply, and I received so many phone calls just from them needing to talk through it. Like I said, I've always kind of been right. that person, and me checking on people. And then the more I'm calling, the more I'm finding out that these people are a part of, like— the command post and this and that and SWAT. And, you know, so they're there, they're in it. And it's hard for me because I like to help. And my way of helping is being right beside you to, for you know, to go through it with you. And I'm like 18 1,900 miles away. Right. So just, I think from talking to everybody and, you know, I did some emotional cutting, if you will, by watching the funeral procession. I listened to his last, the last call they put out for him. Um, and it was rough. It was rough because you know uh, Gwinnett County has not changed their uniforms since I left there mm. in 2008. So when I saw his picture you know, as a young black officer, I see myself because right. I wore that uniform, you know. And like the story I was telling before, for me to just have kind of stumbled into law enforcement, and this is all he's ever wanted to do, I was angry. I was very angry because I was like, this this isn't this isn't fair. Um, so I just broke down crying on the way to work. I talked to a sergeant. He helped me kind of talk through some things and he's like, you know what? Go home and spend time with your family today. And so I did that. Me and my family get to, don't get to be together all in one place all the time because my husband works at night. And so I was like, you know what? We're going to go. Everybody's going to go eat breakfast. So that's how we ended up there um, at breakfast that day. And Sunday, I didn't go in because I just wasn't there mentally just yet.
0: Which is a smart thing to do. I think a lot of people go to work in that line of work who Mm -hmm. shouldn't be Mm -hmm. if they've got stuff going on.
1: Exactly. And it
0: should be okay.
1: Take a mental health day. There's nothing wrong with that because we have, as police officers, we have to be clear and ready to go. Exactly. So I took my two days. Um, I walk into work that Monday. I'm having a conversation with um, one of my close friends at work who she was also involved in a critical incident. So we make sure to check in with each other. She noticed I wasn't there for two days. And she's like, hey, what's going on? So I tell her. And I'm like, this is not fair. Like this is, you know. This is not fair. And let me pause real quick. I tell people whatever you ask the universe for, whatever you ask God for, whatever it is you believe in, please be specific. Because yes. I had been complaining about not getting to spend enough time with my family, having working mom guilt. You know, I'm just, I'm, I was angry about Officer Tony's death and how it wasn't fair that, you know, I said, I've been dodging the proverbial bullet, quote, you know, air quotes, for 15 years. And he's been on the job a short amount of time, and and that's it. He didn't get a second chance. So fast forward, six hours later, I'm being shot. So it was one of those things of, wow, okay, I forgot to put some bullet points in what I was asking asking for. So um, as far as the call goes, Because I can't give, like, detail, detail, but just short. In short, we were there to serve order of protection due to a domestic violence situation. So we have the domestic violence component. And this is Domestic Violence Month as well. Um, And the the gentleman, the boyfriend, was not going for it. Um, I was hit three times. And my partner was hit once. Um, The girlfriend did not get harmed at all because she was there with us. And the shooting itself, I tell people, is about three to three and a half seconds.
0: That's real seconds. That's real time, real yeah. seconds.
1: Like it's, it's, it's quick, like to the point where when I watch the body cam, I have to slow it down to even remember what's going on. Um, so I was struck in my right forearm, and I am right-handed, And I was also struck in my upper left arm, and uh, the last bullet, as I was outside, um, like running out of the door, I got struck in my back, but my vest caught that one. Who made your vest? that one. Why don't you ask me that question, because I don't remember. Okay,
0: because they want to (laughs) know. I don't remember. I'll have to get
1: back to you on that.
0: (laughs) Well, that's more than I expected you to share, but I got to share about that day for me. Yes. I've known, we figured out 11 years, I was at work. Fighting communism, and I have lots of friends. One of them's here in the room who are scanner people. Mm-hmm. And the best part about living in the Valley as long as I have and being a people person is you know a lot of people. So the first text I get is uh, PD of- Tempe PD officer shot. Okay, so I'm still working. Came back, two female Tempe PD officers shot. Well, you're one that I know, and I knew you had a female partner. So you were talking about you called Gwinnett when the thing, the that event was still dynamic. Mm-hmm. I don't do that because I don't want to be the one whose phone rings when the guy's working this because you know, it's happened. I've mm-hmm. seen SWAT guys' phones go off, so I thought I waited what I thought was an appropriate time. And all these years, you've never not responded to a text from me. So I sent you a simple one. Are you code four? And you didn't answer, mm. so I knew. I mean, I said let's give it an hour, and I knew at that point. Um, and you are not the first, and you better be the last because I am old, I have a poor diet, I am not in the best of health. You aged me ten years, and I didn't come that night because it was. I just want. I knew you. Your, the Tempe family was there, and I knew your family was gathered. Uh, and the next day, I thought I had it together, and the hospital, the the trauma center, uh, is. About four minutes from my house, and they are so good to first responders. You, you, even those visiting first responders, you know, if I went up and asked for Tactical plus size model, they tell me room 604. When you say your name, a volunteer takes you, mm-hmm. gets you up there. And when I walked, I, you know, you never know what to expect because the media, this is something that one of my pet peeves, the media will say, Non life threatening event. But you know, these things can be career threatening events. Yeah. This is your right arm. This is your back. This is your leg. Where, you know, these can be career altering events. Yes, we're glad that your life was spared, but this is a, a career for a person. And so that's your big fear and your big worry. So I come up, I'm doing my deep breathing. I'm trying to center, I'm trying to bring up my inner clown because I know we're going to goof a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I turn that corner. And of course, your son Liam was there. And every. I mean, command staff and paradise. Valley, the young man who's now a sergeant was there. Nigel, this yeah. room is full of police. And you looked up, and you took over. You became the adult in that situation. <laughs> I was going to come in there with the words of wisdom, and you saw my what was going on with me, and you had me come over. And with all that going on, you had the. We hugged, and that that wound in your left shoulder was fresh. Still had the band aids on it, and that was a hug that was. Uh, It was good for me, and I hope it was good for you. And we pulled away, and you introduced me to everybody. And Liam Mm -hmm. had his (laughs) stethoscope, and he decided I need an exam. That's right. So we got over on the floor, and we sat, and I got my thorough medical exam, and he had some great diet recommendations for (laughs) me. I didn't know that uh, chicken fingers were good for you. (laughs) And broccoli. And broccoli. (laughs) He wanted me to have broccoli. And we had a good time. He went through his backpack, looked at everything he brought so that, I don't want you to do that again.
1: I, I'm going to try not to. Okay. I, yeah. I
0: definitely don't want you to do that yeah. again. And if I have any power, I don't want you to do that again.
1: I appreciate and that. Please
0: don't. So when I left, uh, you know, you, you get outside the hospital. There were police cars from every agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a friend of mine has a limo company. He said, I said, Are you gonna, I'm already got to take care. I'm taking her home. I'm going to get her home. And... I said, she's taken care of I got She's got this. And I said, now, you're going to have to go to physical therapy. And I didn't talk to you about that because when I went for my hand, not shot, but another injury that somebody in this room was part of, uh, he's raising his hand and he's still smiling. <laughs> the, you, you go to physical therapy, the first time it's like a spa. Would you agree? They're like, hi, how are you? They welcome
1: you in. They're welcome very you. nice. A little nice. warm thing, mm-hmm. and a little touchy
0: touch. Mm-hmm. then you come back, and they became. I don't. I want to call it um, like Auschwitz or something. These people have some terrible torture techniques. They, they will torture grave. You.
1: They, they will torture you.
0: They will torture you.
1: It's all for. It's all for. It's all for your your health and wellness. But I feel like it's for their entertainment oh, too.
0: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> they, if they. What do you want to be? I want to be a torture. Well, we don't have torture anymore. But you can be a physical therapist. Yeah. So this happens. This three seconds happened. Yes. Uh, did the community – we don't know what to say. We don't know whether to have car washes. We don't know what you need. What worked and what didn't work that the community or that friends and family did for you?
1: Well, again, going back to the 100 Club, they showed up at the hospital with a check uh, so I feel like, I, like you said, I, I got my dollar back and then some. So that was a very, like, overwhelming experience because I knew they were a good agency and I, or a good organization. And I always tried to donate to them when I would see some of their functions around our city. But then I got to experience firsthand what their generosity was like. Um, so, like you said, the, the things that worked were, I mean, my department, they, they were good. They they were really good. I mean, they put together a meal train uh, for my family, which was fantastic. Um, but I, I want to note when it comes to meal trains, um, casseroles are awesome. <laughs> But we need some greens. We need some vegetables. (laughs) Um, My injury happened at the end of October. So it's getting cooler. So you like the heavier meals. And I'm a girl that likes to eat. And I'm an emotional eater. So needless to say, I ate 25 pounds worth of emotions because that's what I packed on sitting at home. And that's okay. Um, Over like a seven, eight month period. But the meals. Those are
0: rookie numbers. I can do that this week.
1: (laughs) Goodness. So, but the meals were great. The meals were were really good. And just, I I had a peer support person that was checking in with me constantly. We, We would check in. Do you need anything? Do you need less of something? So kind of gauging, having that point person to gauge what the family needs and what they don't need. You know, I had, um, one of, uh, the peer support, uh, members offer to come over and help me with my kids. You know, because they've Jason, not
0: met Liam yet. Not yet. Not Liam yet. can run the household himself if you let him. Yes, he'll yes. tell you and he can.
1: He's he's a bit of a ladies' man, he sure and is. um, so and he was very polite to all my my female guests. He would <laughs> he would open the door for them, and when it was time for them to leave, he would walk them to their car. He would <laughs> open the door. But these are things he sees my husband do too. So he can be. He's a gentleman, and my daughter was. Almost two at the time. So she really didn't understand what was going on. Um, She just needed her needs to be met, which was, I was still nursing her at the time. So when I got out of the hospital, she was like, Mom, boob.
0: Now, when we get a paper cut, we realize how many times a day we bump that. Yeah. When you're recovering at home and you've got a toddler climbing up to nurse
1: who doesn't care.
0: And yes, who
1: doesn't, not that she doesn't care, she just doesn't get it. Right. You know, she's like, Oh, Mama has a boo boo. And that's it. But, yeah, so, I mean, just working around, having young kids and having to work around an injury. And then I'm right-hand dominated, too. So then you can't use your hand the way you want to. And I was on a cast for a short amount of time. And, you know, I tell people two things about my injury here um, is I said – can I curse on here? Absolutely. Okay. Because um, <laughs> I was holding back. I've been holding back. Me too. I, but I tell people, just to, just to be honest – Shit gets real when you have to put pressure on your own wound and you can't wipe your butt, okay? I just want to throw that out there.
0: That's something every big guy can
1: Listen, (laughs) listen. People don't realize it's the little things with injuries like this that make all the difference in the world. So when you have on like a – it's really like kind of like a splint or like a half cast. So my arm is at a 90-degree angle. There's not much – You know what I mean? There's not much wiping going on. And then to use your left hand, which you're not used to. um, Yeah. Some days I would just take a shower after I use the restroom because you just can't trust the cleanliness. You know what's worse? You know what I mean?
0: Do you know what's worse than that? Mm. Ben will remember this. Our guest last week Mm. was a peace officer who was shot in the line of duty. Mm. Shot in the butt.
1: Mm.
0: Came out right by his... Special place and we're right back on the other side. The doctor told him in the trauma center, you will get infection because there's no way you we can pack both sides of that, but there's no way you can keep that clean. And he was back in the hospital three separate occasions. Wow. So booty shot, across exposed No, that was bad.
1: Now yeah, well I I guess I won't complain then. No, no, you
0: have every right to complain.
1: I wish somebody had come and installed a bidet in my house, though. That would be Oh, he's got one in his Uh, house. uh, Yeah.
0: Right down there. Our (laughs) cameraman. He's got (laughs) He's
1: like, but you can't use mine. Oh yeah. (laughs) So but um, but yeah You know So things like that Were very helpful, helpful People offering to You know Come help me with my kids My neighbors are fantastic um, They're like Grandparents to my kids I got out of the hospital On Halloween Actually So I looked like I was dressed for Halloween Because you know When you go in an ambulance They cut everything off You take all your stuff So I didn't have any clothes To go home in So I had to go home In paper scrubs You mean nobody brought you clothes <laughs> so, We, You know what We were Liam so, would have picked you outfits I'm sure he would have Um Um uh, We were so wrapped up in everything. I didn't even think about that. You know what I mean? But um, there were a lot of visitors when I got home. I mean, a lot of visitors, which was very helpful. I mean, I had a girlfriend who had just had a baby. And she would come over and basically babysit me. Because my son was in preschool, but I had Ella at home still, and I have one arm, and my husband had to go back to work and after a while. But, yeah, she had just had a baby, and she would come over with her infant and basically do laundry for me, help me unload and load my dishes, help me put Ella down for naps. And, you know, my mom was there. My mother-in-law lives here, too. So it was nice having people just come over and do little things for you. Um, obviously, and then Gwinnett County was awesome. I mean, I got I got flowers. I got cards. I got had, like, my friends came to visit me. You know, they took time from their own jobs, their own families. Even friends from high school came to visit. So it just, when things like this happen, it's not that I didn't know how much people cared about me. You really find out who's there for Absolutely. you and who isn't. And you know, sometimes I would have so much help I didn't need. I would have to turn people away. So that's that's never a problem I will complain about. Right, right. Um, but it's just things that just come up over time that you know you just kind of don't you don't think about. Like the story I was telling you earlier is, I didn't know how to talk to my four year old. You know, he, my son was four at the time about my injury. You know, so things like that are you don't know how much to tell them and. What not to tell them, but kids are very smart. Don't ever doubt their intelligence because they understand a lot more. Me and my husband decided we were going to omit some things. So we just said, hey, mommy got in a fight with a bad guy and broke her arm, which wasn't a lie because right. I did break I did break my radius bone. And um, then once he saw the through and through up here when he was going to help me change my bandages, he's like, you have two holes in your arm. Oh. You sure the bad guy didn't just shoot you? And I just, I froze because I didn't know what to say. And I was like, I fell on a stick. It was crazy. I fell on a stick. And my husband's like, a stick?
0: Did he buy it?
1: And for that time, he okay. did. And okay. I said, I, I didn't know what to say. But we a week later, I talked to my therapist. I talked to my mom. You know, I talked to my brother. I talked to my husband. Had these, you know, this big conversation. And they were like, you know, he, he's smart enough. He's mature enough. In a, in a interesting a 30 way. He's a
0: 30-year-old and a four-year-old body. As we
1: say in the South, he's been here before. Oh, well, yes, he has. So he has an old soul. We told him. And he looks at me, and he kind of processes it. And he says, duh, I told you you got shot in the arm. And I was like, oh, okay. And he says, well, why did you lie to me? And I was like, first of all, lie is a strong word. Exactly. That is strong. I omit it. And he's right. like, what does omit mean? So now I'm explaining to him. So basically, I'm like, listen, listen, listen. We love you. We just wanted to protect you. We didn't want to scare you. But, you know. So he's like, okay. And it hops off a of bed and goes Absolutely. away. Absolutely. But when kids are that age, their cognitive level develops so quickly. So like every three to four months, he's smarter. He's more observant. He can connect the dots better. So then he asks more detailed questions. So it's like, okay, I don't lie to him. I answer it, and I just answer it. And that's it. I don't get get into too much detail. Um, We have run into some issues with, you know, him having some anxiety issues about me returning to work on light duty over the summer and him worrying about somebody hurting me. And he had this whole elaborate thing about what if the ceiling at the station I'm working out of was made of glass and the bad guy got a, a tall ladder and climbed on the ladder and broke the glass and came in the building. But, he, but and, he's
0: always thought of this. I Do you know. remember the one with the, your daughter in the car and he wanted you to get her in there quick and lock that door and get her on the driver's side? Yes. This, folks, I, I I wish Liam were here. Uh, this young man he's very perspective. He's in his car seat. Mom is strapping in the baby, and he says, Mom, Mom, get her in quick and lock the door and get around to your side and get in. I don't want anybody to grab her. And you looked at him like,
1: "What did this come?" He, he was very fearful for some reason that someone would take his baby sister, and maybe then, she's very small before she was vocal, but now with all the attitude that she has, they would get to the corner and bring her back.
0: But I like, I like what. <laughs> I feel his, like that's what, what happened. <laughs> you you made the mistake of asking him what his plan would be if someone tried to grab his sister. Do you remember that? Oh
1: Lord, he said, "Mom," and he, she was only three weeks. If anybody tries to take my sister. I will kick them into the ding ding, and I said, "Okay, well, what if they don't have a ding ding? Well, I'll I'll, I'll kick them in the vagina. I will hit them with a the sword and put blood on them. I will smash them with a the car, and I'll hit them with a the football.
0: And he didn't add one last thing.
1: He he, it changes over time. Okay,
0: because that one you shared, he said he's gonna pee on them.
1: Well. <laughs> That doesn't surprise me. So he would always add something new. So I asked my husband, my husband, I call him a caveman. And because he, Jason deals with right now, he likes to protect, he likes to provide. Okay. So I said, did you say something to him like, about this? Like, did you have like a Viking conversation with him or a Jabari from Black Panther, Mountain Tribe conversation? He's like, no, he came up with that all on his own. And if, like, people would try to come up to look at, you know, my daughter when she was an infant, he would tell people, you go away from my sister. I love it. You do not look at her. And so, I mean, it made me smile kind of because he was being protective over her already. But, who she's two and a half going 26, and she will protect herself. Trust me.
0: You said something in the course of normal conversation that should be said just in the normal conversation with any, you said, counselor, therapist. Yes, I do not be afraid whether you, whatever you do for a living, even if you're a tier one operator a tier seven, a tier nine operator, therapy works. Don't ever not do it. you're precious, you deserve it mm-hmm. and seek therapy. We're going to talk about five hundred the 100 club, mm-hmm. but I want to jump forward in our remaining minutes to Christmas
1: time. Oh, yes, so and camping Lord, so the 100 Club. When they said, hey, we want to do some things for you guys for Christmas, and you know, they called and say, hey, what is what are your kids into? What is your husband into? What are you into? So we named some things. And, you know, they're like, well, what do you like? And I was like, I just like to see people happy at Christmas. Like, I don't, I'm an adult. You don't have to get me anything. My gift is people together and seeing their smiles. So... They said, well, you know, we still would like to get you something. So I said, okay, I like concerts and stuff like that. So I'm like, all right. And they're like, you know, what about like anything as a family? And I, I couldn't really think of anything, but I did mention to them um, a couple weeks before my critical incident, we had gone camping. So it was the first time I was taking our kids camping. Um, we only did overnight. I'm new to camping because I did not grow up camping. Even You're an Air
0: Force ROTC, they don't camp. They stay in some nice accommodations the <laughs> Air Force. It.
1: Well, even growing up in Georgia, I didn't camp. I I tell people, um, the black people I know don't camp. And if we sleep outside, it's because we're homeless. It's not because we spend money to pretend not to have a home. That's just I just put that out there. So
0: I'm gonna use that, and I'm not gonna give you credit for it. I'm my, stealing that.
1: My husband is a camper. Um And the kids just had a good time. So because they had such a good time, I had a good time. So for Christmas, the 100 Club shows up with a news crew, and Santa Claus rolls up in a Jeep.
0: And this is all on YouTube, folks. (laughs) Yes. You can actually look, find this and watch.
1: And I think there were like three elves that showed up.
0: Let me interrupt. What did Liam say he needed to do before they got there?
1: Oh, he had to put on his handsome clothes. Exactly. So he he had he donned uh, a pair of black corduroy pants, I believe his corduroy vest and a dress shirt. Okay, so he had his handsome clothes on and he sees Santa Claus pull up and he's like Santa. And he is so excited. I was excited, too. And because my kids are so excited and it's Santa Claus, like who doesn't get excited about that? They came in with so much stuff like they probably made about three trips to the car And I'm just watching them bring all this stuff in. So, you know, we do our news story and we hang out with Santa and the elves and the kids are just having such a great time. And it was very memorable. We took pictures and it was awesome. So later on that night... Mama starts peeling open some of these gifts Uh just to see what's what. There were some duplicate things, but they were really awesome. I said, hey, my kid already has this or they're too old for it. How can I get this back to you? They're like, you know what? Just pay it forward and and, and give it to someone else in need. I said, no problem. I removed stuff from under the tree and put it away in my closet. I had enough stuff in the closet to (laughs) re-gift Gifts for my daughter's birthday in january my son's birthday in March and i I'm no lie I still have stuff in the closet that I'm gonna give to my son this christmas so don't watch this before Christmas <laughs> so, but I mean I mean I just it blew my mind the amount of stuff that they gave us not to mention they gave us a brand new tent for camping, they gave us a camping table, like a little kitchen setup.
0: And one company took wanted that. Didn't one company want it, to do that? It
1: was um, VIP Mortgage.
0: VIP Mortgage, so, shout out, thank you very much.
1: So what I did was um, when we went camping, we took pictures. I sent the pictures over to Carolyn with uh, the One Hundred Club, and um, she forwarded on to the president of VIP Mortgage, and he wrote back that that made his day. He was so happy to see that what he was able to provide for us made you know it, it made our it made his day to see well, us using it. And I told him I wanted him to see that he was now a part of our family's memories, you know, because that's what I'm about now is you know experiences because that October camping trip, you know, if things had gone differently, I that might have been like the last camping trip or big memory my kids had, you know, uh, that could, that involved me. Right. You know, I might not right, be here talking real. to you. So I wanted to show them like, hey, we use this stuff. You did not waste your money. We we went camping twice this summer. You know, I'd love to go camping a couple more times for the end of the year because it is really about experiences. And when things like this happen, it reminds you of how quickly Things can be gone. That's why I wear this bracelet, which my my friend Ryan that I worked with back at Gwinnett, when she came out to visit, it's a bracelet that has Officer Tony's name on it, his end of watch date. And it says, um, we've got each other's back at all times. And it has uh, his badge and it has the Gwinnett County patch on it. Because it reminds me when I have days, and I do have them still, that I don't feel like it, that I'm just tired, I want to lay down or my anxiety kicks up or I get a little depressed. I get to look down at this, and this is a reminder. I never met Officer Tony, but he's saying to me, get up. You got a second chance. You can do this. I cannot. So that's what that reminds me wow. of every time that I look at and it. That, you know, So that's why I tell people, I said, my, my incident is just those three seconds. I said, I had a whole week's worth of emotional stuff going on, and then there's that window of craziness, and then the things that come after it um, that is – to me, the the bigger story. Here in the ins and the outs of the incident, people are always, "Oh wow, oh oh, that's crazy, that's wild, that's dangerous." I can't imagine. But for me, the story is a lot bigger than that.
0: Exactly. That's why we touched on it so little because it is minuscule compared to the big picture. Mm-hmm. You have you and your partner have gotten a lot of recognition since that since then. we've
1: gotten several awards you ha-
0: since then. if if your awards were college degrees you'd have more degrees than a thermometer <laughs> now i've been wanting to use that and i had to i had to switch it up to get that <laughs> fit in, there. It in
1: there but you
0: have been everywhere uh and and i i see more of that in your future you you don't like it when i say it but i know that sometime in my life i'm going to vote for you <laughs> Stop. i don't know in what capacity that's going to be but I, but i honestly believe that and have felt that way for years uh these invitations not only to the world's greatest podcast, but you're going to have invitations more so each and every day in passing days because you've got to, not only do you have a story to tell. There's some lessons there, mm-hmm. and and, it's, and and I see you. I, I it's a combination motivational speaker, technical speaker, <laughs> uh, modern day preacher. I just I just see so much of that. So you've literally you've been awards, realist. I mean every association in the valley. Yeah, got
1: my brother is the um he is the president elect for the Scottsdale Area Realtors Association and I was just asked by his brokerage to come in and um it was last uh, September actually it's Realtor Safety Month and I was asked to be a part of their live stream or podcast uh for their training about safety, doing open houses and, and showing houses, and just being self aware, basically.
0: And um, you're, and uh, I believe that you're able to do that for other agencies in the valley if they ask other realtor groups.
1: Yes, that that's something that that came up also. Oh yeah. And uh, but you know, because it's important because people don't think about it, and like we have a different mindset because of our training and what's been ingrained in us throughout our. And career. the realtor does
0: the complete opposite. They open a house.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Turn off
0: the alarms, don't know right. the alarm, right. and just wave at you. Put, and to put signs to tell you where they are alone. Yeah. So I get so, that.
1: So it is different. And you you know what? I, I tell people too about this experience. This could have been worse, but good. I've had a lot of good things happen to me over this almost. The, the 29th will be a year. Today is the 22nd. So I have a week before. I've hit that year since my critical incident. I've had a lot of good things happen during this this year. That, and I, I can't complain. You know, I've met people I would not have normally have met. I've attended events I would not have normally had the chance to attend. Um, and I love, and I tell people this always sounds corny, because they're like, oh, why did you want to become a police officer? Why did you stay? I said, I honestly like helping people.
0: You I, make a difference. I
1: honestly like helping people. And i have no shame in talking about the fact that the therapist that i see i had started seeing her like the month before my critical incident happened just because i wanted to maintain Mm because how many times do we go to trainings and you hear about you know uh law enforcement suicides you hear about what happens to us after we retire our health our sleep i was trying to i was going to HeartFit for Duty, which is a medical office geared towards first responders. You know, I was doing that. I was losing weight before my critical incident. I was seeing a therapist just to be mentally ready, right? Then this happens. So I was kind of frustrated about it for a while. And I was talking to my therapist about it. And it just clicked one day. I said, you know what? I can't continue to harp on this. I said, I was doing all those things. To prepare me for what was, hap- was going to happen because had I not already had that mindset of I need to start practicing what I preach I can't tell somebody on a call if you have too much in your basket you need to unload it you need to talk to people and I'm not doing that myself so I started checking in with people more letting them know if I was feeling good if I wasn't I didn't come to work if I wasn't mentally there. And I started seeing a therapist. And I told her if I didn't have that support system, if I didn't have that mindset already, I don't think I would be where I am today mentally. Now, I still have struggles. I've had panic attacks. I'm still learning triggers, which is a little annoying. I'm a type A person, so I can't CIT or, you know, crisis intervention team myself. (laughs) I'm on peer support. I can't peer support myself. So you do have to reach out to other people, but it's all about your mindset and the people that are around you, to and support that's okay
0: you. for people to do. Yeah, and talking about it's important because you and I both know people who, who could use it and don't, and yeah. get to keep that macho and yeah.
1: And all it does is hurts us in the end. Exactly. That's all it does is hurts us in the end. And you know, I'm I try to reach out to people. You know when i when I look at somebody at work and I say, "Hey, how are you doing?" Like I really, really mean it because you'd be surprised at the responses you get when somebody can tell that you need I've had a hey how you doing turn into a 30 minute oh, absolutely. Just emotional like unload session. And they need people we we need that, especially in law enforcement, you can't keep that stuff bottled up. Cause no. it doesn't it doesn't help anybody. And I have a family that I love and I don't want to shut them out because I feel like they don't understand what I'm going through. My husband has been phenomenal in all this. He has been patient with me. He has been there for me. He pushes me when he sees, I'm like, "Ah, I don't want to. He's like, nope, come on, we're going to get up. We're going to do this. If I'm not feeling myself, I let him know, hey, Jason, baby, I'm not feeling it today. I just want to lay down. You know, so you have to have that support because if the people closest to you, your family, you know, your kids, your best friends, if they're not there to kind of hold you up when you can't stand up, you're just going to fall and, and you're just going to lay there and it's just going to get worse. you know.
0: So if you're so inclined and you reach out to the 100 Club, please let them know that Lindsay McCall long introduced you to them. I know we've gone over time, but it has been worth every minute for sorry. me. No, no, don't be <laughs> sorry. But, you know, it wouldn't be complete if uh, if you we didn't... Some of the things that we used to do, you, you haven't done yet. You haven't called me stupid and you haven't called me... To,
1: I'm trying to be mature here. Well, no,
0: but say it the way... You, Say it the special way,
1: Ed. Hey, you're so stupid. Uh,
0: you know there are very few people that could do that, And But she's like, "Oh, you're stupid, boy. And boy, you are." Stu-.
1: That's a term of endearment in the South. Oh, I
0: know it. If you've not been in the South, you need to go and bless uh,
1: and bless your heart.
0: Bless your heart. And I'm sincere when I and, I and my other one. And I'm sincere when I say that. And I don't mean maybe. There's a whole many things from the South. That's right. Uh, last question we ask everybody: the real tough ones. Okay. Does pineapple belong on pizza? It does. Android or iPhone? iPhone. Well, we can't be friends anymore. Uh, well, Lindsay, you know, it's so close to that critical incident. I, I want to thank you for trusting me. I know that that was an issue for you because I she went and watched the Yeet video. I don't know if you all seen my Yeet video because I do some silly stuff. He does. And she watched that last night, and I'm sure she's thinking the chief is going to fire me if I go to that pear-shaped old man show.
1: Growing up in Atlanta, Yeet is like yeet. a part of your vocabulary. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Hotlanta.
1: Hotlanta. My kid, Liam, says it now. If he sees a great skateboard jump, he goes, yeet. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I didn't know I said it that much. <laughs> I
0: love my time in Georgia, and I love the time we've spent today. Well, thank you. I appreciate you coming in. I We're going to get this out to as many people because you're going to touch some lives, because uh, some people are going to hear about therapy, they're going to hear about all these other things, they're going to take advantage of it. And whether you become Chief of Police, President of the United States, uh, publisher of Forbes magazine <laughs> I hope you don't forget the big people the, but, but I mean big I mean big fat people oh, in your life
1: stop, it. stop God bless you and thank you well thank you for having me I really appreciate this today